MSW Media. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That, that's what he said. I, I, that's what I said. That's obviously what the, our position is. I'm not aware of uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I didn't have not have communications with the Russians. What do I have to get involved with Putin for? I have nothing to do with Putin. I've never spoken to him. I don't know anything about him other than he will respect me. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist. Hello and welcome to the MSW Book Club. This is episode seven, the epilogue, and I am happy to be joined today by Dana Goldberg. Hi, Dana. Hi, AG. It's good to be back. I am so excited for today's episode. You have no idea. And that's because we are also joined by the author, Mary Trump. Hi, Mary. Hi, I'm also very, very excited for today's episode. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Me too. So we've reached out to listeners and asked what they want to ask you about the book. And of course, about some follow-up stuff about what's been going on after the book. Bird. Oh, yes. That's not just any bird. That is My papers. He wants to help answer the questions. Look Excellent. at him. Oh, and the red tail feathers. I love African gray. So for the listeners that don't know, you're going to learn also just like fun personal things. We told you she was a phenomenal woman. She's a gorgeous African gray parrot that has a larger vocabulary than Donald, <laughs> which is amazing, by I think a thousand words or mm. close. Mm. Sebastian's like, that's not saying much, Danny. You could do better. I know. The bar's pretty low. <laughs> the bar's look at just giving me d- d- just some tail feathers. That's what I'm getting right now. That's cool. I, and I bet I bet the bird can also answer the five freedoms of the First Amendment, unlike Amy Holy Coney Barrett. Holy shit. What? You know, it was a monstrosity before that moment. But, you know, you could, you could, uh, not forgive is probably the wrong word, but you can let, um, what's his name off the hook? The Texas guy who's really stupid and wanted to get rid of three branches of government, not three branches. Oh, yes. Perry. Three agencies, but can tell you what they were? Yeah. yeah. But- She's allegedly a, an intelligent handmaid woman. <laughs> maybe, maybe she should have used the notepad in front of her to write down the five the five things covered by the First Amendment. Only stupid people take notes, apparently. <laughs> Which is one of the weirder Republican tropes I've come across. But yeah, and Donald has said that too. What kind of lawyer takes notes? Um... <laughs> well, not shady ones. That's why he has a problem with it. <laughs> yeah, and. Uh... Also, somebody responded to my, because I tweeted that out. I was like, she can't name the five freedoms. And somebody said, ooh, I can. Man, person, camera, woman, TV. <laughs> Those are the five freedoms. That's good. That is very good. Yeah, we've got, got some uh, creative oh. creative listeners and followers out there. So, and that, um, actually, somebody had asked the question about, uh, to, let's just go right into it, about Roy Cohn. Yeah. Uh, and and what Trump must have thought, because there's, you know, there's a lot of, uh, I mean, just like there was a lot going on with Roy Cohn that Trump could really hate. Donald, he, sorry, I Donald, might do that. Donald. <laughs> uh, and we were so good about that in the, during the book club too. I have to uh, get back out of my news head and get back into the book head. Right. Um, but there were a lot of things that that Donald wouldn't like about Roy Cohn, but sort of overlooked it. And, and so a lot of folks, a lot of people were asking, how, how was that relationship even possible? Oh, well, you know, evil trumps everything, if you'll forgive my use of the word trumps. Um, <laughs> even evil Donald's everything. <laughs> yeah. No, it used to be such a good word, and now uh, not so much. Um, Roy Cohn was, you know, much of about him was stuff that Donald admired. He was ruthless. He was slimy. He was, um, you know, he he was successful, not in spite of his being a horrible human being, but because he was a horrible human being. He was connected uh, in a way that, um, you know, my grandfather wasn't. Um, Because, you know, you have to understand, Donald's relationship with Roy Cohn would have been impossible if it hadn't been for Donald's relationship with his father. So it's not that 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 uh, Roy Cohn was, let's put it this way, between my grandfather and Roy Cohn, it was a a difference of degree, uh, sorry, degree, not kind. Uh, He was just 
you know, more of the awful things my grandfather was. He was flashy, you know, obviously Don like that. Uh, so like, I'm not even entirely, entirely sure that it was Roy Cohn's homosexuality that bothered Donald because it was a pretty open secret. It was the illness. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know? is, is Donald really like truly a germaphobe or is no. it, do you think it's more about him not wanting to touch people that aren't on his level? Is that more? Yeah, I mean, germaphobes don't have unprotected sex with strangers. That's Last I checked, point. not that I would know <laughs> from personal experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah seriously like it's a, like it's it's like um you know ocd isn't something that you can pick and choose about right so it's not like oh these germs are okay mm-hmm. but these are, germs aren't no you just he's disgusted by uh people he considers lesser than and he also doesn't want to be associated with weakness and obviously being sick is weakness as we've seen in this horrific COVID 19 fiasco I also think if Donald was germaphobe, he would be tumbling down airplane stairs on the daily because he has to hold on to the railing <laughs> to get down. So I feel like if he was a germaphobe, it would just be one ass over feet day by day. Wait, and every Secret Service agent would have a bottle of hand sanitizer yeah. at the ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like, I think uh, Olivia Troy said that. That he was um, happy about COVID because it meant he didn't have to touch these disgusting people who came to his rallies. That's like totally on brand. Yeah, and and you brought that up in the book too. That it's it's so odd that his or I mean, kind of by design that his the people who support him are people he would never associate with. Yeah, um, and the people he associates with don't really support him. So <laughs> there you go. I mean, some of them do, like the true believers do, but. Oh. I think he probably has a lot of disdain for people like Mark Meadows too. I do wonder if all these people that seem to be, and I call them psychopaths because it makes me happy because I think they're (laughs) crazy, but the sycophants that are constantly kissing his ass, I do wonder how those people are going to vote in private this year. Yeah, we will never know. And and I've thought too, and I know Dana, I've talked to you about this, that I just imagine like um, a lot of Trump supporting white males, I think their wives are going to be in that voting booth and they're going to be like, they're going to check the box for Biden and just not say anything. Come out and be like, yeah, MAGA, you know. (laughs) I don't usually say this, but hey, ladies, if you want to withhold sex, I mean, do it. Like now's the time (laughs) to be a feminist and be like, I'm not putting out. (laughs) Yeah, but you know, that that's two two different groups of women, right? They're the women who are able to say, you know what, this isn't cool. You vote for that, then you're clearly not supporting me. True. But then there are the people who uh, the women who vote the way their husbands do because they feel they have to. And I mean, this was something I wasn't really aware of until I moved out to Long Island. Um, that like that's a thing. <laughs> Um, even though they could lie about it, it, it's like, it's almost like they, they feel they, they can't, can't get away with it, you know? Um, so I worry about that. Um, I worry about, and it would be an even, uh, larger phenomenon this time around than it was last time around people who lie to pollsters because they're so fucking embarrassed that they're Mm. going to vote for this scumbag. Am I being too, uh, reticent? No, not not, not here. Um, and that, that Roy Cohn relationship um, uh, kind of ties into another question that a lot of folks asked. And I, I know that you discussed this in the book as well, why Trump doesn't support allies or listen to allies, but instead, uh, you know, ha- has this fantasy father figure weirdness with strongmen and dictators like Putin and uh, Duterte, uh, 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 Sisi of Egypt, you know, where's my yeah. dictator? Where's my favorite dictator at? Uh, and now we've recently found out that the, the Bank of Egypt could have been involved in, in you know, giving $10 million uh, to his campaign last minute. Uh, and and I think that, I, could you discuss a little bit about that? Because I think it might have, it kind of is a different sort of relationship with Roy Cohn than it is to these strong men. But it's, I think it's all based on how he was treated by his father and how he treated his siblings. Yeah, I, I mean, just at, like at a really basic level, it's, it's, it's a very similar mechanism that's operative with his you know followers or whatever you want to call them um they unconsciously identify with donald's weakness because these are weak people um but you know they see that despite his weakness he's been so successful right and i guess by some objective measure he has been even though it's been through lots of 
cheating and stealing and having been enabled. Um, but I, I sort of see the same thing with Donald and, and that rogues gallery of authoritarians, autocrats, and dictators you just mentioned. Um, because, you know, the, the term strongman is very misleading. Strong men don't need to be strong, a strong man, right? Um, so uh, I think that's part of it. Uh, the other part of it is forging or maintaining um, our alliances, our, our Western liberal alliances, uh, small L, uh, is to make concessions. It's to compromise. And mm. that's not something that's going to happen. <clears throat> so putting those two things in the context of my family, my, my grandfather treated his business and his family and the world as a zero-sum game. So only one person could ever win and everybody else was a loser. And obviously being a loser was unacceptable. So Donald would do absolutely anything to win. And um, in order for that to happen, you need, you, you know, you were living in um, a definitionally uh, divided home. So your siblings are your competition. You know, everybody in the world is your competition. And we see that play out um, in certain circumstances. Donald makes a decision that is really self-defeating. Why? Because being like bringing people together is, is not just antithetical to him. It's impossible for him. He thrives only in division and chaos. So, um, you know, he just, he just can't, it's he like is constitutionally incapable of doing anything that requires, um, you know, compromise, um, amity. Um, I'm, I'm, I can't think of the word I'm looking for, but you know what I mean? He just, he just can't bring people together because if he did, he'd lose somehow. I think what, what I, one of the examples that, and, and you can tell me if, but I think this is right on. You were just talking about how he, that's often detrimental to himself. He doesn't realize is he's shooting himself in the foot. I feel like this tweet he just put out with Biden for, and crossing out the P and making resident, and he's already losing the senior base. Like he doesn't understand and he doesn't think, someone didn't stop him from doing that. And he, it's, he thinks it's really funny and he thinks he's being really charming and, and you know, cute. And he's losing votes from it. Well, assuming he hasn't killed off all the seniors before the election. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's either Not the or losing the votes. One of them, either way, his base is getting smaller and smaller. Yeah, that, that's why it, like, it makes me insane when people uh, ascribe any strategy to him. Right. He doesn't have strategies. Give me a break. He yeah. barely has tactics. I mean, that's why they have to go around behind him, clean up his mess, come up with new legal counsel memos to make whatever yeah, right. he did just legal. Like, yeah. oh, whoa, 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 whoa. wait, wait, what did he do? Okay, hold on. Uh, uh, that is legal. To, you know, that's right. Oh, oh, wait, no, no trans people in the military. Yeah, we, we, we knew that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he's right now. Speaking of that tweet, you know, where he said that was an order that transgender people can no longer serve in the in the armed forces. But then he tweeted, declassify everything about Russia. <laughs> and BuzzFeed was like, oh, hey, yeah, could we get that whole Mueller report? And Did it's... you dig into your confetti supply when that happened? <laughs> 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 that the White House and Bill Barr have to go now and explain to Judge Walton why that tweet wasn't serious, but the other ones were. And that's just, and so that's just that cleanup that goes on behind the scenes. And I, I was thinking of, I saw the other day a replay of Donald and I, or I think it was at the G20 when he shoved the, the guy from Montenegro out of Montenegro. the way. I was going to say Macedonia, Montenegro. And yeah, the bully bullshit. Yeah. His jacket. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And that's, that's how he treats allies. And I just had it, I just had that flash in my head about how he treated his younger brothers uh, and his older brother, your, yeah. your, your father. And, yeah. and, it's it's like really you're gonna pick on Montenegro. <laughs> That's your flex. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, he's what does um, Bob Seska say? He said Donald always makes things worse for Donald. For Donald, always. And everyone yeah. else is cleaning up his mess. I can't. It's infuriating. Well, the thing is, um, I mean, it's not that he doesn't have anybody. Bill Barr, as as far as is he still alive? Nobody's seen him. Um, what a shame. 
Um, you know, there's still people there to to manipulate the system for him, but he really is running out of people to, you know, like he doesn't have a, a Fred Trump anymore. That's for sure. Right. Um, here is a question from Kate from Australia. Kate's pronouns are she and her. And Kate says, and a lot of people want to know this too, what is the current status of your lawsuit uh, as uh, against the former trustees? Pending. <laughs> you know, lawsuits are... So fast moving and exciting. Um, last I heard, okay, obviously it's been filed and they responded somehow. Sorry, it's really boring. Uh, all I know is that, you know, it's moving ahead. Um, they, I think they, they went to dismiss it, which for reasons I don't understand was a good thing for me because it just showed they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> There's something else they should have done that would have made more sense. Um, and my... Ant is have has her own representation, and Donald is sharing representation with uh, my uncle Rob's estate. Mm. And that's that's it. You know, this is not going to be resolved quickly. Um, you know, my hope is that it's a strong enough case, which I believe it. Actually, that we need we need to get past one really significant hurdle. There is an issue of the statute of limitations. Um, so they're going to argue that it passed a long time ago, and we're arguing that that the clock started because it's a two-year limit. The clock started the day that New York Times article came out on October second, twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we don't get past that hurdle, I'm it's done, which would suck. And if we do, then it's good. It's a really strong case, and then. Um, I mean, part of me hopes that it's that they'll realize the writing is on the wall and they'll settle. But part of me also really wants it to go to court. Mm. <laughs> but if if Donald sold off your grandfather's entire empire in one sale and then blew all the money, pissed it away and is borrowing money from Egypt, <laughs> how are you going to collect? <laughs> well, he might be the most physically irresponsible person who's ever lived, because, by the way, in selling my grandfather's empire in one fell swoop, they left like $300 million on the table. Mm-hmm. What a deal. Bro. What a deal. Um, Art of the deal. Uh, um, my aunt Marianne and my uncle Robert were not, and or, or he wasn't, she's not irresponsible in those ways at all. So there'll be plenty to go around. And um, I mean, look, I'll just take, I'll just uh, take Trump Tower and turn it into Section 8 housing. <laughs> Oh, with like um, a Planned Parenthood at the bottom? Be like an animal sanctuary. Yeah, and it's right. AG, a Planned Parenthood office right yes. at the bottom. Yes, yep. yes. Yeah, nice. And 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 I'll hopefully I get a private jet so we can fly people from the backwoods of Alabama to Trump Tower for any kind of um, reproductive services they need. Yeah, I, I feel like we might be escorting uh, women and uh, from from states that are gonna yeah oh i don't even want to yeah i'm like i'm gonna get a lot of miles on my car driving people in california i'm picking them up hey weren't you supposed to come visit me last week (laughs) (laughs) oh man we we got probably we had so many people who just want to say no questions just thank you and uh a lot of them asked how you were doing For the listeners that can't inside see joke, it, everyone is laughing, including Mary. Very hard. <laughs> <clears throat> um, the answer to that question is I don't know. I'll get back to you in 19 days. Honestly, though, it, I, and I'm sure I'm certainly not the only person in this country feeling like this. But for the very first time in my life, I can't imagine my my life beyond a certain point, and that point is November 3rd. And it's deeply unsettling. Mm. You know, not being able to daydream about from some future, um, you know, post-election, post-COVID. Um, a friend of mine calls it future zooming, and it could be a bad thing too, future zooming. But I, I like that phrase because when things are terrible, it's, it's really a nice thing to be able to do to get yourself out of the present moment. And, and I can't do that. I don't see how anybody could right now. No, I think that was really like. Did you? I felt that when Mary said that, like, I'm like, that is part of the problem. I can't see past November 3rd. That's why this feels so suffocating sometimes. It's like a brick wall, a steel reinforced brick wall. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. completely dark on the other side. Not to bring everybody down. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Because hopefully you won't be. Sunday. 
<laughs> I don't mean I don't mean dark like it's going to be bad. I mean dark like it's completely unknown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all. And 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 also having to consider um, even if if Joe wins by a large enough margin to make Donald go away, he's still president until January twentieth. Yeah, I think I'm actually I don't really know why I'm. I'm becoming less concerned about that. Hmm. Uh, you know, a couple of things. Well, one thing in particular needs to happen. That it has to be a landslide of epic proportions. And if it is, I can totally see him just being like, fuck it. I'm not doing this anymore. I mean, he's not doing his job anyway. <laughs> like, he's never doing the job. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but... Like, what possible interest would he have? Because that period is, te- you know, traditionally a time when it's it's like a, a caretaking period. It's when the person in the Oval Office is just keeping things safe and ready for the next person. I mean, it's not really supposed to be a time of, of legislation and a- action and, you know, declaring war, what have you. Um, what interest is he possibly going to have in that? Uh, because the bigger Joe Biden's mandate, the worse it is for them if they do try to do anything. And I mean, we're seeing that with the Supreme Court stuff. It's This is not playing well for them, mm-hmm. you know, and um, it's awful and it's depressing, but it's motivating our side much more I think our chances of taking the Senate back are much greater now than they were a month ago. Absolutely. I agree. hundred mm-hmm. percent. And um, Jennifer from Oregon, uh, pronouns she and her, also wants to know, what can those around Donald do to manage him between now and then? And what do you recommend for anyone recovering from the effects of, of his behavior? Well, the people around him are refuse to manage him. And this, this is one of the things that continues to mystify me. It's not that, that I expect them to behave with basic human decency, because of course they won't. But you would think that at least his children, maybe, or his chief of staff, or somebody in in close proximity, like cared about him. Could you imagine if you had somebody you really cared about in a hospital with COVID-19, with every treatment at their disposal, and they decided that they wanted to check themselves out, and would you be like, oh, okay. I would literally tie them to the bed and say, nope. I'd block the door. I don't know. I would have them declared non coppice mentis, whatever. I mean, I would not let them leave. So they're not going to manage him because either they don't care uh, or they're just benefiting too much from letting him do whatever the hell he was doing. Um, in terms of uh, the second thing, which I entirely forget, um, I can't really say because I don't remember what it was. I'm really sorry. <laughs> Oh man. I'm Our short term, I'm telling you, retroactive interference is strong right now. So that mm-hmm. okay. So the second half of that question was um the the second half is how do we oh. um manage the what it's done to us as as Americans? And uh, that sort of ties in with some other questions folks had about how they deal with uh, Donald's supporters and their families. Oh, that's easy. Stay away. And I'm not kidding. I, I, I'm not kidding. It's, uh, it's so toxic. I don't, I don't mean forever. I just mean right now. You're not going to change your mind. You're just going to, it's going to drive you crazy. It's not going to bother them, you know, um, because it, it's a, it feels abusive to me. Um, I, I, cause we can't, I, I, there's no making excuses anymore. Um, it's all, it's racism, it's misogyny, it's hatred of the other. It's, um, it's an entire willingness to destroy this country, literally, just so they can feel free to hate whomever they want to hate. Mm-mm. Uh, but as for the other, uh, there are two different things to, to talk about. One is the fact that we're facing in the next 6, 12, 18 months, the greatest mental health crisis this country has ever faced. And it's a kind of crisis we are not um, equipped to deal with at the best of times because we have a fucking horrible mental health care system. And uh, most people are wildly uneducated and have been led to believe that mental health is a luxury and the rest of us can all just suffer in silence. So um, that having been said, uh, you know, we need to take care of ourselves. We need to stay connected uh, in meaningful ways. I know it's really hard, especially during COVID. Uh, It's hard when, you know, you're angry all the time and you're not sleeping and you can't think past November 3rd, but you know, um, that's, that's why you need to stay connected to other people. Hey, everybody, it's Allison for the MSW Book Club, and this episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. 
if you've been experiencing anxiety, if you're having trouble, if you, you know, you need help to live your best life, I, I highly recommend BetterHelp. And I want to assure you that you don't have to face challenges alone. And life can throw us curveballs. It can be pretty hectic and it can get hairy. But you don't have to do these alone. I know it's hard to ask for help, but I, you can do it. BetterHelp makes it easy. I can't stress enough how important it is to know you're not alone. And BetterHelp is not self-help. It is not a crisis line. It is licensed professional therapy done securely online from the comfort of your own home. It makes me so much more comfortable. I don't have to sit in a crowded waiting room. I don't have to sit in traffic, which just adds to my stress. And BetterHelp has experts in a wide variety of specialties that you probably wouldn't have access to in your local network anyway. You just be, uh, simply sign in, answer a few quick questions about your mental health. They'll match you to a licensed therapist, and you can start communicating in less than 48 hours. You can schedule weekly phone and video sessions if you want. And if your therapist isn't a great fit, they make it easy and free to change your counselor if you want to, which is really, really important for the process. They also have financial aid available, and it costs less than traditional in-person therapy. So start living your best life today. Head to betterhelp.com slash mswbookclub. You can join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. And if you go now, you can save 10% off your first month. Just go to betterhelp.com slash mswbookclub, and you will be on your way to living a happier life. You will be so glad you did. Jane Fonda interviewed me, which was really fun. Oh, it was a wow. while ago. It was a great interview. Jane was wonderful. It was a fantastic interview. And it, it was just, it was really comfortable. And, and uh, I was, we were talking about this issue and this was at least six weeks ago it, or 7,000 years ago, something like that. <laughs> and um, I was saying, you know, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And she said, well, isn't it more like a relay race? It's like, yes, yes, it is. So you know, we need to know that there are other people doing the work so we can tap out once in a while and the yeah. baton's gonna keep going, um, even if we need to sleep for a week or whatever the case may be. Um, so I also hope that, you know, with the change in administration, these things will be dealt with um, in a much more effective way. And if nothing else, honestly, we know, we have absolute confidence that uh, if Joe Biden and Kamala Harris win, which they should, that this country will go into COVID lockdown on day one and six weeks later, we'll be okay. We will be free. Um, and that is something that should give all of us hope um, because just just imagine that. Oh, God. <laughs> right? It's like jumping into a cool pond on a really hot day to think about that. Mm -hmm. um, as for the other issues we're dealing with that, that, you know, have more to do with the fact that people are losing trust in their elected officials and the government. I mean, this has been a long-term trend, but now it's, it's people on our side whose faith is being undermined as it should be, you know, <laughs> the, the fact that any of this was allowed to happen is a travesty. And, um, you know, I maintain that Donald's not the problem here. It's people like Mitch McConnell. It's people like Bill Barr, who are the greatest traitors to this country since Robert E. Lee. Um, because, and maybe even worse, because they're trying to take us down from within, you know, using the power of our institutions that they diminish and pervert on a daily basis. So that's why I, I think that um, the Biden administration will only get us so far. Uh, there needs to be a, a real commitment, not to rebuilding. Who wants to rebuild this horror show of a country? We need to reimagine it. And we need to understand that it's a long-term project and we just have to be in it for the long haul. But I think if we, we see that there are worthy goals in place that people are really working towards that that's going to help a lot that was such a good quote we don't want to rebuild we want to reimagine it that thank you for that yeah and thank you for the 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 relay race idea and and yeah, thanks, jane jane and dana <laughs> can attest to this too we have you know um, among the the listeners and um the, the followers and you know we've built this community of support and if somebody needs to tap out for a minute uh we've got it, you know, somebody will carry the flag yep. and come back when you can. And I love, I just love that idea of, you know, it's, it's almost like it, it, it does take a village to save democracy and our institutions and, and we need to be there for each other. Um, I'm sorry, I just want to say really quickly that it's so important to point that out. And, um, you know, we were talking about that and this issue in the context of the Fire Drill Fridays community that, that Jane Fonda's been building. And, you know, you guys have been doing extraordinary work in that regard for how, how many years now? Almost three. Three, right. And, you know, 
I think it's it's easy sometimes to underestimate how how much that matters because you know even before COVID it was virtual for the most part. I mean I know you had your um, events around the country which I'm sure were great, but you know most people couldn't go to them. Um, so you know people people need to remember that they have access to this extraordinary group of people because you know it's it's a top down thing. We see how it, we see that on the the hideous end in the current federal government, but we see it on this end too. It's like the people leading the way set the tone, and um, you know I, you just see this. There's evidence of this every time I listen to your show. So thank you for that. Well, thanks. Um, and when you have a cat, that that helps a lot too. Yo, oh, Scottos, where is he? I'll leave the door open. Maybe he'll pay a visit. <laughs> um, Bruce Willis, where are you at? Bruce Willis. <laughs> it makes for the best sentences of my life. So when you can say something like, oh, Bruce Willis pooped in the bathtub again. It's, it's, it's all good. It's all fun. Um, this is from Patricia Ranch uh, and Patricia's pronouns are she and her. And she says, Mary, you're an amazing woman. Thank you for the courage it took to write this book and to come out in public to discuss it. My question is simple. Did Donald ever have any pets as a child or as an adult? Why or why not? Any interesting stories from him interacting with animals or his treatment thereof? <laughs> Sorry, my, my mind always goes to a very dark place when I think of uh, <laughs> Donald as a child and animals. Um, no, there were no pets. Nobody in my family had pets except us, mm-hmm. um, which was just another marker of how relatively human my father was. Um, no, not. I mean, it wasn't even a topic of conversation, except insofar as um, we had cats and I was really allergic to them. And uh, my grandfather was always like, get rid of the cats, get rid of the cats. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh, I remember. Yeah, now I remember that. Yeah, Yeah, that's actually one of my favorite grandpa stories. Um, I had been in Germany junior year and I was coming back to New York for the holidays and I was going to stay with my mother, but she had cats. I mean, my cats, but I'd been away for a long time and you sort of lose your immunity. So I had asked her to ask my grandfather, grandparents, if I could stay at at their house, um, which was totally animal free, as we know. And he said no. And when my mother explained it to him, he said, well, then get rid of the cats. It was one of those parts in the book where I, when we read it, we were just like, oh my God. Like it's one of those comments also, like, I think it was a, an in-law that's like, we're missing a polo tournament in England or something, whatever the shit was. <laughs> my uncle's like, wife, while my grandfather's dying, she's like, God damn it, the polo. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I'm supposed to get married, you asshole. Like it was just, it's, I feel like that's one of those lines with the cats. It's like, just get rid of the cats. <laughs> he was a sweetie pie. <laughs> um, and also uh, from anonymous pronouns, he and him, are there any creative Trumps in, in his immediate family or extended if you have to go outside? Wow. Uh, no, no, not not one that's extraordinary. I never thought about it that way. Um, and we know none of them are funny, they only laugh like when people get hurt. Uh, no, my, <laughs> my dad was really fun. actually. My aunt Marianne has a pretty decent sense of humor. Oh, interesting. Um, and my dad was extremely funny. Uh, WC Field was his idol. Um, but creativity, no, it's so bleak, unless you consider ways of laundering money. Well. Creative. You know what? That's a really, that's a really good point. Um, my Aunt Marianne did say- Criminal problem solving. Yeah, right. That my grandfather had no imagination, but yes, as, as Dana just pointed out. It's a dark one. It's, it's not- the government. Yeah, it doesn't work really your powers cool. for good, but I guess it's imaginary, imaginative. And, and despite how badly they suck at it, uh, <laughs> they kept the charade up for a really long time. Uh, what are your yeah, thoughts now? On the... <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, and so a couple of questions, thoughts about um, the new tax dumps from from the New York Times uh, and where they got that information. Uh, because I remember you in the book telling, I, I think it was Marianne, uh, or it might have been Gam, who was like, who did this? Was this that, was this, who released this information? And you're like, well, I don't know. <laughs> it was Marianne. Yeah. Like, who could it possibly have been? <laughs> 
I, I deserve an Emmy or an Oscar for that performance, I swear to God. I mean, for your acting when you were recording her, I would have been, when you she was like, yeah, you know, the so-and-so took, you know, they paid him to take the ACs to SATs, and you feel like, really? Tell me more. Like, <laughs> while she's being recorded, it's just beautiful. Uh, that's good. Fun times, fun times. Uh, um, and it was Cindy, by the way, who asked, how badly does he have to lose to walk away? Very. I... For a couple of reasons. Uh, one, because it'll be fun to watch him not deal with that well. Uh, no, but seriously, like from a psychological perspective, the narcissistic wound will be so deep that he won't be able to formulate any kind of organized response to it, first of all. Secondly... Um, I just realized I said that as if he responds to anything in an organized way, but you know what I mean? Um, also, uh, there won't be anybody supporting him. You know, Bill Barr will have to concede at some point as we have seen, he just had to do, there's yep. no there, there, you know, we just have to move along. We're not going to be able to steal the election in that particular way, you know? Mm -hmm. And you're talking so, about the Durham coming up empty and Bash coming up empty on the unmasking investigation and the investigation into the oranges of the investigation into Russia. They have bupkis. Right. Yeah. So, you know, even Barr isn't going to be able to claim it was rigged in any reasonable way. Um, so the bigger the margin, and honestly, it's, yes, the, uh, uh, no kidding, the electoral college is what matters until such time as we abolish it. But the popular vote also really, really matters because it just um, increases uh, the legitimacy of the election, but also the legitimacy of any complaints we will uh, make known if if it's a close electoral college margin, which it really shouldn't be. But I think the trickle down from the popular vote will be the state legislatures. And this is a very important one because maps are being determined. So even if electoral yep. college stands, if we can get rid of the gerrymandering on a state level, and that's gonna happen by people voting in democratic legislatures within their states, we can get some control over this, even if for some reason we can't get the electoral, the electoral college gone soon. So I think that's incredibly important with the popular vote because most people that will go out and vote will vote down ballot, hopefully. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that, that was one of the really great trends that we saw in 2018. It was like the first time in, in recent memory, or maybe in my lifetime, that Democrats actually made a play yeah. uh, for state, you know, local races. And like, I've done some fundraisers for people running for assembly or uh, state senate because it's it's so important. I believe that Democrats should always make a play for every single seat Absolutely. No matter how red the district, because, you know, it educates people and, um, you know, especially if we, we fix gerrymandering and districts are redrawn, you know, it just, it's to our benefit and fucking electoral college. <laughs> yeah. If it worked, Donald wouldn't be president. We that which is several Supreme Court justices would not be in place right now if it worked. We've won the popular vote in the last however many. And Six out of seven. Yes, and the Supreme Court justices have been put on by people who did not win the popular vote. That's right. And the Senate represents 30% of the population. So let's just keep driving ourselves crazy with the injustice of it all. No, but I'm serious, like, because the other thing, too, is the reason for the Electoral College is entirely corrupt. So, like, how can you justify keeping in place this anachronistic device that was created to give slave states a break right like how do you argue that in court mm -hmm. i don't know just, just curious thinking, you argue that that you're an originalist mm. Jesus. well then she can't be on the supreme court there you nope. go she can't she can't vote exactly on the supreme court i think yeah. i think we had somebody uh tweet back at me um about when I again tweeted out about the, her not naming the five freedoms and somebody said I wonder if she can name all seven of her children and somebody interjected and said uh you mean sixth and one-fifth children according to originalists <laughs> oh damn <laughs> oh my god that is like any favorite thing oh that's <laughs> Brilliant. God, I do love Twitter sometimes. Seriously. I mean, it's also the downfall of society, but when those things come through, it's magic. And honestly, <sighs> those poor kids though, saying the N-word in a, in a in the workplace is not Oh my a, god. Fuck you. Mm. Um 
Mary, do you think if he loses in a landslide that he would resign? Does he have it in it? To, does he have it in him to resign to get at least a pardon for his federal crime? I know. Well, hmm, interesting. Um, I don't think so. But we're in uncharted territory here. So I'd say that um, it's more likely that he just go on vacation. Like he just check out even more than he already has. Um, go on just, vacation to a to a country without an extradition treaty? Well, if he's, well, I was going to say if he's not a total idiot, but he is. Um, if he, two things. Okay. Either goes to a country that doesn't have extradition. I'm assuming he'll go to Russia. Um, I mean, the man never goes outside. So like, what difference does it make where he is? He goes from like a shitty hotel to a golf course, back to the hotel in a limp. You know what I mean? Like, doesn't matter where he is. So he'll be at home as long as there's a hotel, a hamburger, a limo, and a golf course. So, um, yeah, I mean, just, you know, continue to, to bleed us dry and steal our money and, um, and not do anything. On the other hand, though, if there are people who can convince him to leave the country, I assume there would be people to convince him that it, it is within, in his best interest to, um, resign and have Pence take over simply for the sake of a pardon. Um, which also, though, then leads me to yet another um, new guideline that needs to be put in place. If you lose, if you're the so-called incumbent and you lose, you should not be allowed to resign for those purposes. <clears throat> and you shouldn't be allowed, and, and Barr has even testified to this, to pardon somebody with corrupt intent. Precisely. Although I'd say in the end, with the exception of how annoying it would be to have you know, President Pence, even if it's for five minutes, Donald's going to be indicted on so many state counts that it, it, it almost doesn't matter. Um, and we'll find out about the federal crimes, but it'll just be icing on the cake. I actually went to a conspiracy place when, uh, when he got supposedly got COVID, who knows at this point. But when you have all of these federal lawsuits, you have all these federal crimes, you have all the state crimes in New York, you owe someone $400 million. And by someone, I mean Putin um, or a bank involved with. I like now would have been a good time to fake your death. Like I thought that <laughs> might happen when he went into the hospital where they're like, ooh, we lost him. And they're like, we have his body. How do we no, know he's alive? Yeah, and, and and just have him, you know, shift away. Like now would be a real good time to do that. Yeah, because if he is no longer in the good graces of Putin, he could suffer from Russian fourth floor window cancer. I mean, uh, yeah. It's so weird how that happens. Mm -hmm. um, this is from Fada Wolf, uh, pronouns he, him, his. And he wants to know about his, about Donald's brush with COVID-19. Uh, everyone questions the veracity of it, uh, whether it happened or not. Did he have it? Was it a thing? What do you personally think uh, about what happened there and why it didn't take his hubris down a peg? I know it's laughable. Sorry. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, I had I had a, a, a dark moment where I too thought maybe I got this wrong and he he did fake it. <laughs> um, but I maintain that that is so extraordinarily unlikely because even if it the 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 ruse had been fake the illness and then pretend that you are so strong that you overcame it and you're this glorious superhuman paragon. You heard about the Superman shirt. Yeah, plan, right? what a Mm. yep i did and this is why I wish I, someone uh, had not stopped that from happening i've got to be so honest with you. of course not <laughs> i know i mean like they'll stop him from doing that they won't stop him from getting into his secret service car and infecting the people inside of it okay right. anyway um but his his psychopathology is such that it, it's almost impossible for me to imagine his admitting illness mm -hmm. because right. of how deep the connection is between illness and weakness. And again, weakness in my family was like punishable by death. Just ask my dad. So um, it's literally almost unthinkable to me that, that he would do that or even be able to pull it off. Because what we need to remember is that, um, you know- That would require a plan. Well, yeah, it would have required a plan. It would have required a cover-up, the likes of which I'm not entirely sure we've seen. Um, because we're talking about medical professionals, we're talking about the health, I mean, the whole, 
it would have been quite something. And there, are, if we've learned nothing else, we've learned that they're really inept, all of them. So, um, but the other thing to remember is that he got treated, he started getting treatments like immediately, like the second he started having symptoms. He got hella reported to a world-class medical facility just for him. He was he given access to experimental drugs. Nobody, not only that, like nobody else has access to them, nobody else has ever taken all of them at once, right? Um, so despite his comorbidities, you know, somebody in that position has a really good chance of, of getting a handle on it quickly. We also know so much more about how to treat it now than we did, you know, maybe six months ago, things wouldn't have fared so well for him, but we just know more. And even even though he he should never have been allowed to leave Walter Reed, he was essentially going from one hospital to another hospital. Right. So um, and also, let's not kid ourselves. If he had been asymptomatic, we never would have known that he tested positive. I just there's no doctors that are like, we, he's got antibodies. I'm like, yeah, you just that's because you just shot two vials of them in his ass. Of course, he has antibodies being and detected. And everybody who gets it has antibodies. Yeah. First of all. And secondly, that doesn't mean he's not shedding virus all over your face, you right. people at his rallies and not wearing a mask. Mm. So, um, yeah, I, I I maintain that that he had it. He probably still has it. There's no way to know if what the course of this illness is going to take for anybody, let alone him. He's so unhealthy as in general. Um, how long, like Herman Cain died six weeks after he got uh, tested, tested positive and felt was starting to feel great, you know? So who knows? And, you know, what I'll also say is that when I heard he tested positive, I thought two things. I thought, first of all, why did it take so long? Because he's continued to put himself and everybody else at so much risk. Secondly, um, I thought, okay, the worst case scenario would be he tests positive and then has either a mild case or a moderate case that he overcomes fairly quick or recovers from fairly quickly. And that's sort of where we are right now. And, um, you know, I'm not going to say that it would have, okay, let me rephrase. I mean, I think it would have been better if he hadn't gotten it. I agree hundred percent. Better if it had been a worse case. Um, you know, I'm not going to be a hypocrite and pretend that, um, I, I wish him well and, you know, um, because he's killing people on a daily base basis. So, you know, he's entirely responsible for his health right now. And if he gets sick, well, that's his problem. And I'm not going to pretend that I care um, about him any more than he cares about the American people. Um, but it was just in terms of how it affects the rest of us, it was a terrible, a terrible outcome because it made him even more reckless and... Um, even if he had been at death's door, nothing would humble him. Nothing. As long as he was, uh, you know, conscious, uh, he would still be the best, the greatest in charge, what have you, fighting it because he's so great. And um, mm. it's just a terrible situation. It seems like, you know, sickness is a weakness. And it just got to the point where maybe they were like, we can't hide this. So let's make the best of it and do this right. Superman right. thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's kind of how I see it. I yeah. think it also has made his base even more reckless because now they're like, just let's bring it on. I'd rather get it sooner than later. Look at the president. He had, you know, he survived it. We're going to be fine. This is blah, blah, blah. And it's just created an even more reckless environment at his rallies and across the board with people that necessarily don't support mask mandates and things mm. like that. I mean, come on, the rally was at a place called Johnstown. Could we be a little closer? Yeah, right? Little, little too on the nose. <laughs> um but by the way, have we seen the numbers coming out of North Dakota, South Dakota, Wisconsin, and Montana? I mean, they're on fire. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is this is why, you know, I, always, I have to remind myself that, you know, people don't have the luxury of paying that close attention and looking at these numbers all the time. People listen to their leaders, and that makes it even worse. Mm -hmm. I mean, that makes his egregious, willful, mass murdering behavior even worse. Looks like our, um, our time is nearly up. Um... Oh, let's end on that note. <laughs> sorry sorry mm, no uh, a lot of folks wanted to know if there's a, a second book in you oh there yeah of course there's always a, there are always more books um yeah uh the next one is going to take a little bit of a detour um but um the one after that is going to i'm gonna i want to write much more about my dad nice um you know because for editorial reasons he was not allowed to be uh 
too much a part of this book, which made me sad. Um, on the other hand, though, I have like half a book already written, so that's nice. Um, but I think, uh, you know, it's not the the rest of the memoir isn't really urgent. We have a lot of other stuff that we need to tackle in the meantime. And then, you know, assuming life goes back to some semblance of normal down the road, I, I'd love to write novels. That's what I always wanted to do. Awesome. Dana, do you have any anything else you want to add or ask? I just, I don't know. I just feel it's going to sound so cheesy, but just lucky to be part of these conversations with you and Mary and, you know, everyone listening, we're all connected right now. So, I mean, just for giving us your time, you have a billion requests daily to come on and make comments and an interview and you keep saying yes to us. So thank you. Well, no, actually, thank you. Because this is, this is the stuff that keeps me going. Um, cause th this is, this, it's a difficult conversation. Obviously we're not talking about fun stuff all the time, but, um, you know, it makes me feel connected and it makes, it's, it makes me feel, um, really, um, I, what's the word? Not happy exactly. Cause who could be happy right now? <laughs> don't get but, crazy, Mary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I don't want to ruin my credibility. No, but that word. Easy um, with the H word. Yep. No, you know, it, it makes me feel okay, uh, which is also a really hard thing to feel right now. Yeah. Uh, so no, I, I've been looking forward to this since we set it up. So thank you so much for doing this. And thank you for spending so much time on my book. That was so cool of you to do. Um, I hope people are getting something out of it. And, uh, you know, let's just do this again, hopefully, and during better times. Yes. Uh, and I can assure you, uh, people are getting stuff out of it. We've had so much positive response. Everybody loves it. And everyone loves you and supports you. And thank you for your kind words. And, and uh, I just want to echo what Dana said. I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. And I look forward to the next one. Absolutely. Hopefully, uh, it'll be when we're all drinking champagne. Oh mm -hmm. God, I hope so. It's just so funny because as we're, we're t recording this, I'm just, I feel like I have to hit mute, but it seems apropos, uh, the trash is being picked up. So there's a trash can <laughs> that's very loud right now. And I'm like, maybe I should just let it play out. <laughs> a metaphor for our ages. Exactly. That's yeah, incredible. Trash. Incredible. Vote, vote, vote. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we'll take out the trash. Thanks so much, everybody. Everyone, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. And I've been DG. That's so cute. <laughs> you have to say, and I've been MT. Oh, and I have been MLT. Sorry, I, can't, I need the initial in the middle. Good. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> and thank you. This has been the MSW Book Club. <laughs> awesome. The MSW Book Club is executive produced by Allison Gill in partnership with MSW Media and written by Allison Gill and Dana Goldberg. Sound design and engineering by Molly Hockey. Jesse Egan is our copywriter and our art and web designer by Joelle Reeder and Moxie Design Studios. The MSW Book Club is a proud member of MSW Media, a group of creator-owned podcasts focused on news, justice, and politics. For more information, visit mswmedia.com.